Sure. Hey there, it's Something Human with Evan and Isaac, where we're going to talk about whatever we feel like. There you go. You had, you had said something that stuck with me. You said, whoever figures out a solution for millennials housing is going to make it big. And I thought that was very interesting. I uh, said that? <laughs> you did. You said that. Um, because... I researched my archives. I'm sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's true, though. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I thought it was kind of interesting. I live in an RV and you're a real, real estate agent. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting to think about what, what would an actual dis I, I don't want to abuse the word disrupt but what would an actual disruption to the housing you know industry look like yeah you want to think about that a little bit well actually that's funny because my dad he I had uh, lunch with him before I came here he's not usually in town on Sundays but he gave me a call around like two o'clock and uh he said he'd been up in uh he does more commercial land work uh, but he's he lives up in Laconer and uh, he was looking around at some uh, property that's been listed for a while. It's vacant land. And he was talking about the idea of creating some modular homes and putting them on this land. Like he had a whole sort of, you know, plan of how it would work. And one mm-hmm. thing that I appreciate out of my dad is that if he says he's got a plan on how it would work, I believe him that it would work. Like <laughs> he he's not like he's not an ideas man who will just sort of throw something out there that may or may not hold any water. If he's even considering it, there is definitely something to pursue there. But anyway, um, but he spoke of having uh, like a carport in a common area, and then you can build like, you know, modular homes. I mean, like out of the um, shipping containers? That's one example of a modular home. Yeah, but there's other versions too. They're, they're more kind of like ready-made houses, but they, you can get some pretty cool looking ones. In a way, they're sort of like the older brother. I feel like to a manufactured home, but they're com- they're uh, they're constructed in a bit more of a um, a lean production process. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not to be honest. I'm not a perfectly well tailored expert on modular homes, but I know that they're they're popular among people who want a low cost of living um, because they're you know the amount of maintenance required for them is a little bit lower, and uh, they're usually more affordable. But anyway. Um, he was saying that, you know, we talked about just, well, people want to, he, he said pretty simply, he's like, he said modular homes. And then he's like, because that's where things are going anyway. And it's almost like that idea oh. has already been planted in his head that like, you know, the idea of you or I, you know, separately wanting to own like a 2,500 square foot house, like is only really as valid as how many, you know, how many bodies we plan to put in there. Like I right now, I live in a 650 square foot apartment and there's times where I feel like I'd like that extra 50 square feet because I have a piano keyboard that I really want to like bring into my apartment. It's back at my childhood home and I actually just don't have a place for it. Um, And I'd love to find space for that. But for the most part, I have everything I need for my own livability and um, I get a pretty good rate for it. So it's like if I were to jump into a home that was... uh, you know, even 1500 square feet, 1800, it's going to feel enormous to me. It's like three times as much space as I'm used to. So do I do that when I'm, you know, married and have children? Do I do that on my own? Do I want to do that on my own? Um, and then kind of, well, this is how I look at it and how this relates to the millennial qu- uh, question, which by the way, I don't like using the word millennial just because marketers have ruined it. Um, 
it's about is your home is uh and where you live like you're you know for you guys you and uh, your wife you live in an rv and um yeah it's about lifestyle first and um and your home as a financial instrument second i think is the most important if you're going to be the one living in it it's lifestyle first as it should be like people will get hung up on well how much is this home going to be worth in five years and it's like it might be worth a lot or it might be worth about what you paid for it um but you're the one who's going to be living in it so how happy are you going to be in it did you buy the home to live in it just because you thought that it like most of the time when you buy an asset you're not gonna be like let's say a financial instrument or asset like you maybe you you're a day trader and you play the market well you're not living inside that financial instrument you don't literally live inside it but if you buy a home and you buy it only under the notion of you know how you project your future wealth is going to be and then you know the desirability of living in it second you're probably going to be a little unhappy with it um so that's interesting to think about yeah um i was just looking this up i i couldn't verify it (laughs) but um i believe it was ikea that for a while in their earlier history um built modular homes and sent them out and this would be maybe in the 60s really yeah that, would would not, double, that wouldn't surprise me one bit double check that it was ikea but it was one of those big brands still around today <laughs> no longer doing this but they put up a lot of modular homes at a really reasonable price mm-hmm. and they're actually decent homes um and they just kind of went out of popularity i think as a result of people just as a stigma that kind of grew because they were modular homes and maybe that meant people living them in them weren't as wealthy. But anyway, just kind of maybe. Yeah. Interesting I, historical stig- the stigma though. I'll have to look into that because that, if that was Ikea, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like the people who are the company that's really the master of um, selling things that need to be put together, like that they used to sell an actual, like now they just sell the stuff you put in a home, but it would be funny if they actually started with the entire home itself. I'll have to look that up. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I think the interesting piece of that would be the stigma of living in a manufactured home. Um, yeah, well, it, that's true. I mean, it, manufactured home is the, it's what it's referred to, but I mean, <laughs> it doesn't, it has a bad connotation. I've gotten fairly well, uh, exposed to manufactured homes, um, so far as a realtor, um, and I'm actually pretty impressed with them. I think that the only real downside uh, to a manufactured home, this comes into the financial piece, is that you usually pay space rent for it. So if you buy a, you know, so if you bought a manufactured home, you could buy one for a hundred thousand dollars, like in this area, and it might be pretty nice. It might hmm. be a little, you know, let's say if you wanted to really put out some dough and get a really good one, you could probably pay maybe a hundred and forty to a hundred and sixty, depending on the area, and you'd probably be well put together. Um, but you'd have to live in a mobile home park. And first of all, a lot of them are 55 and up communities. Um, so not going to work for you or I. Um, and the, I can fake yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, oh. just tell them that you have really good genetics. <laughs> I have very good genetics. Yeah. What year were you born? Uh, 1948. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, the other issue is like, yeah, you might pay six to six to eight hundred dollars, depending on where you go. Like there's places for, in, rent. for space rent. Like I know one client I worked with, she moved up to Marisville and her space rent, I think, was like five hundred and twenty five, which was actually pretty competitive. 
Um, there's a place in Everett that I just worked with an older gentleman and moved him into, and he pays, I want to say seven fifteen. Um, and I know places in Bothell, like further South could be like around seven fifty or so. Hmm. Um, so pretty reasonable. It for is this pretty reasonable. Area. Yeah. But it's also rent. So you think of like, you're trying to get around the monthly, you know, the burden of monthly homeowning cost. Like, so I I forget offhand how the property taxes work on manufactured homes. I mean, they're going to be a lot lower no matter what. Like if it pays, it doesn't pay through the park. Um, but it's like, so you might pay for your home in full if you can afford a $100,000 home in cash, which by the way, a lot of people our age can't do, um, to have a hundred thousand raw, you know, clams sitting around is probably <laughs> not the case for most people. <laughs> hundred thousand dollars just burning a hole yeah, in my pocket like, what do i do with all this money oh geez what do i do <laughs> better go on kiwi.com and figure out where i can just go fly to and burn all my dollars <laughs> there, you, there you go uh um but so the the modular mm-hmm. thing is interesting that your dad was thinking about and also yeah. i think something you said stuck out and that was like the the communal areas yeah mm-hmm. um because i think that kind of distinguishes it from an apartment as well where an apartment everything is furnished for that specific unit and Mm -hmm. you don't have like those shared commodities, maybe like a common area to hang out with a fireplace, but not, not a lot in your, anyway, I think, Mm -hmm. I feel like our generation is searching for something a little more communal. Yeah. With the right audience. Yes, definitely. Cause we are lacking a little bit in, how many different connections we have to other people. I feel like the diversity of that. So it's sort of like neighbors, neighbors used to be your neighbors, right? Back in the, in the the golden days. I mean, as it's portrayed <laughs> today and as your parents probably talk about it, the neighbors knew each other. They all came, came over for coffee. They were aware of what the kids were up to. That's not the case at all anymore. It seems like my parents actually are an exception to that. <clears throat> no, they, live really. a, they live in a, they live in a, yeah, in a cool neighborhood, it's got a cul-de-sac, a dead end, mm-hmm. um, with like the the circle at the end with a bunch of houses. Anyway, um, most all the neighbors know each other. They have a Fourth of July potluck as a neighborhood each each um, year, and mm-hmm. a lot of the neighbors have kids. And my really That's young nice. brothers will like go shoot hoops uh-huh. with them. Um, yeah, so it, it's. But I, not a lot of people experience that. I think there are definitely people missing that element of just daily life with the people nearby them. Right. Yeah. And I I don't know if I want to say it's like a total exception that your parents are in, but it's definitely less common than it was. I mean, I'm even fairly lucky in just my apartment building. Like I know, I know, uh, the people that live two doors, like within, like, you know, we're all numbered. Like, so, you know, I know people who live within like three numbers of me um, and I've, you know, hung out with them outside of the building before and we've gone out for coffee or breakfast and visited. And that's cool. Um, yeah. And it's really nice. Like, and that actually does a lot for me when I know my neighbor. Like, I feel kind of like, you know, when I come home, it's not just like my, you know, personal cave. I'm kind of like, you know, it's my it's the building that I live in. It's what makes me refer to it as this is my building, you know, mm-hmm. and there's other people who can also say that, too. We have it in common. Um, so a communal area is cool. Like when I say it with the right audience, I mean that, like, depending on because we do have like a common patio area. It just kind of depends on what the other neighbors want out of it, because if you have to share a communal area with um, people who are, let's say, you know, sort of 
um, within their own social circle and they're not interested in being part of the neighborhood. They're a little siloed off for whatever reason that doesn't do anything for you. Right. Like it's only as good as the community that's using it. So True. we want that, but we want it as a positive rather than like a, you know, like you don't want to, everyone wants to go to a meetup, right? It's like, uh, you know, on the app. Like yeah. Yeah. With I people, enjoy meetups. And I do too. But if you've ever been to a meetup where like no one really, for whatever reason, no one was really connecting. It's kind of like, well, you know, community for the sake of community maybe isn't always like mm. a virtue, but when it's a, when it's good, it's amazing. And we need that really bad. So finding a way where maybe I feel like whatever solution for housing is out there probably does play, play a lot into how the community itself gets leveraged because the more people you have in one space, uh, and I'm not talking about like a condo, like it would be something different. Like I like the modular home idea and having kind of like a, almost like <laughs> this sounds a little cult, like, but like a compound, you know, like, you know, if you've got seven neighbors and you're all kind of in this row and you've got like a nice little uh, area, you can all go play in and, you know, yeah. if you've got kids and you want to raise them there, maybe you it's can all just sh one of the cool things that you end up being able to do is you can all share the lawnmower. Mm -hmm. You can all share. <clears throat> yeah. This the the power saws. Mm -hmm. If you have like little projects going on, communal tool shed or something. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah there's things you can do that you can just share. And mm -hmm. I and I really like the I really like just what sharing does between yeah. people. Just the fact that I'm letting you have something of mine and entrusting that to you. Mm -hmm. First of all, it requires. Well, you could use an app of some sort that allows uh -huh. me to just drop it off. Then you pick it up later. But typically you've talked to me about the share economy before. Yeah, it's it, interesting. I really am a big fan of that idea. Uh huh. And I think like I think the future of housing f might um, kind of include pieces of that. Um, uh -huh. Even just beyond the communal space. I want to I think you're you're on a trail there that could work. But I'm also like cautious immediately, probably a little <laughs> bit too reactionary, but I'm cautious of like the idea that does that mean that you could have like three people living in one house, but they all own a part of it? Like, oh, interesting. Like, you know, we can't like do like sharing of a home where like, oh, I only live here for I mean, I guess you could. But like what I only live here for six months and then I go somewhere else like then, you know, who's in charge of the possessions and, you know, when you know, uh, damage befalls the property, then who's responsible for it? Like, like I, this is probably more of like the devil on my shoulder. The cynic in me is like, I'd love to share everything with people, but what about people who just don't take care of stuff? Cause they exist. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like I, you know, if you loan me something like, look, I've loaned books out to people and I've, I've gotten them back with like <laughs> scratch marks and dog ears all over. And it just blows my mind where I'm like, you know, whatever, it's still intact, but you know, if you loan me something, I will try my best to return it in like better condition than you found it. So well, let's let's, let's you share a home with me. You know, what What if you wreck it? <laughs> let's take that trail for, for a minute. Let's yeah. say you have a three hundred thousand dollar home uh -huh. with three people in it oh. and a three bedroom, three hundred thousand dollar home, three people. You're not going to find each... a three bedroom home for anyway. <laughs> we'll pretend it's in four. It's four hundred thousand Wisconsin, now. Wisconsin. <laughs> homes are cheap or Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> that actually might be a little high for Detroit. <laughs> anyway. Um, and so each person pays a hundred thousand dollars to own a third of the home. Mm -hmm. And they leave and uh -huh. they can sell a third of the home. They can share, sell their share of the home. Uh huh. Which I assume wouldn't mean their bedroom is 
their literal property and everything else is like communal or something like that. I don't. Hmm. Yeah, this would also bring in a lot of issues for. Oh, sorry. It would be, bring in a lot of issues for uh, taxation as well. Like who, who gets taxed? Do they all pay an equal share of it? Um, it's because I feel like there's a solution to this, but we'd also have to identify that there's even a market for people who would like if you put your you know third of the home up for sale, there has to be somebody who wants to move in to your third. And then if the if it gets repossessed, okay, now I'm really just going off here. But if you're paying your mortgage, like let's say you have to finance it to move in, like a hundred grand. Uh-huh. We'd have to have different financial instruments for it because you yeah. can't if some, you know, if Joe Blow, who just happens to be, I don't know why that's always been the default name <laughs> for a guy like Jane Doe and John Blow or Joe Blow. It's John Smith, I think, John is the other Smith. one. Uh, well, anyway, John Smith doesn't pay his, you know, he doesn't pay his third and he's in, you know, he's in default. Then does the bank take the whole house back and pay you out? Like, or do they just kick Joe out and try to it's just like there's challenges you'd have to overcome maybe maybe the Mm. solution is simply micro home ownership smaller homes yeah because the average home this is a statistic that i uh that came up in a documentary on minimalism that i watched Mm -hmm. um i haven't personally verified it but um it was that the average american home is only um well the all right let me go back the average american family in a home only uses about 40 percent of the space in their home so there might be a whole dining room and a living area Uh that you know if you looked at like a heat map of where people walk there aren't even steps in there um that gives me another idea but yeah so maybe it's just people could just live in smaller by with 40 60 percent less do you say they use 40% or 40% goes unused? I don't think it matters which one it is. I'm not going <laughs> to. Either way, it's. A, I need to know. <laughs> I think it was 40% gets used. Okay. That I sounds think. about right. I mean, you kind of have your trail that you go through. And um, we had room. We had a room like that growing up in my house. It only got used for guests, which happened like, you know, a handful of times a year. Like, it was the nice guest room. So, like, family holidays and stuff. Um, and otherwise, it was functionally useless. Uh-huh. And it was such a bummer, too, because uh, the our main living room was attached to the kitchen, like, in the same room almost. Uh-huh. So, like, where the TV was, couch, entertainment had to be, like, you know, if, if dinner was being made or the, you know, sink was running or the dishwasher or more. It was honestly, I think at the time, just so... Like our mom could keep an eye on us to make sure we weren't, I don't know, watching MTV or something. Um, <laughs> but we could have totally used the other room for uh, for that, and it would have been a lot more suited for it. So I don't know. I agree that I think that the size of the home probably would be the easiest solution. And modular homes seem like one way to do it. RV living is also another way to do it. Uh, you've you've even showed me a few uh, companies that have started recognizing that there are people who are full time RVers. And therefore, they make RVs that are designed to hold up under uh, under full time usage. There's actually a whole line of trailers that I only just recently learned about. They're called destination trailers, mm-hmm. and they're basically mobile homes, but just to avoid like the taxation um, or government protocol, they're 
called destination trailers. Um, but they're just really, really long um, trailers, like too long to tow on a normal basis, uh-huh. maybe like maybe like 45, 50 feet long um, and very, very well furnished. Um, but yeah, so there there's a home on wheels. It's not actually <laughs> intended to uh-huh. take around a lot, but you could move from place to place when you need to. And that kind of plays into the vagabond or digital nomad movement where there are people who do it. Yeah. Whether they do it in the domestic United States and just go state to state, or maybe they live over in, you know, a European country as well. I don't know. It's just the, the, the promise or the, the, um, the notion of long-term travel and being fluid in what you can do. I feel like has sort of hampered people's willingness to throw, you know, around here anyway, close to half a million dollars down on a piece of land for 30 years. It's tough for them to want to say, yeah, I'm going to plant my flag here and this is where I'll be. They at least have it in their back pocket that, well, if I can't live in it, I'll rent it out. But honestly, not everyone's ready to be a landlord. I mean, it's not like you just stuff a body in there and then they start paying your bills for you. If only it were that simple. Um, huh. Your level of management is going to be variable based on the tenant. But, you know, you know, let's say people who own homes around the U district and they rent to college students. You might have a really great group of, you know, girls or a really great group of guys. Or you might have like at least four thousand dollars worth in damage done to your property every year, um, depending windows getting punched out. I don't know. Holes in the wall. Where the men can see it all, <laughs> like the old rhyme. It's a once was a man from Nantucket. Nah, forget it. Oh, uh, that, yeah. I don't know how the rest went. Yeah, I forget as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I know, I know people who've. Uh, well, one woman I, I met who had is like a very large rental property in the U District, and uh, like eight girls live in it, and they're all actually like quite well behaved, and they take really good pa- care of the place. And then, you know, you hear stories about places that, you know, they're getting noise complaints every night and, you know, it's just classic. It's like, is that worth it to you? It's, it's not a passive income stream anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that a, active. It's just constant stress. Exactly. Phone calls Same. at night. The sink isn't working. And it's like, oh, I'll get a handyman out in three days. And then they're annoyed. It's like, well, I mean, sorry, I, I can only get them out as fast as I can. So, yeah, you know, if you're a. That's why people usually hand it over to a property management group. I think what it comes down to, I just struggle with the thought of paying for something over 30 years. That's a long time. That, I don't know, (laughs) I just can't come to terms with that. Yeah. You can't come to terms with the term of the loan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was bad. (laughs) It's a long time. Um, and, you know, even an auto loan for some people is too long. I don't know. We, that's the thing is it's the I think maybe part of it is not so much our financial capacity, but the fact that there's this allure of so many other things you can do. It's like the idea. I mean, you know, you want to build a local community, too, because, you know, it, at least I've I've been, I've found a lot of value in that for myself, like having grown up in the area. If I were if always if I had always been hopping around, I'd have more connections in other places too. But they might not go as deep. They could, but uh, 
you know, I've had the advantage of building something sort of lasting here. Mm-hmm. So I want to have like a headquarters here, but I don't want to be landlocked into it, especially by a bank, because if anyone's going to lock you into something, man. Yeah, it's the bank. <laughs> the bank is probably not your best friend when no crap hits the fan. No, nobody has like a pillow uh, with their bank's logo that they cuddle with. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if anyone, any companies he wants out there, free merch from Bank of America. Yeah. <laughs> bank of America's merch. Well, I wonder if that's like a new section on their site they're developing. Yeah, I've never seen any laptop with a Bank of America sticker plastered on the back. Oh, bad. Yeah, that would be kind of alarming. I think if you saw that. Um, you know, you feel like you're probably in the presence of some sort of, you know, high profile auditor or informant. <laughs> They're going to find out about all those tickets you didn't pay for a few years ago. Um, I wonder if this is totally a tangent just for a short run, but I wonder if there's any companies out there that are trying to get an emoji made out of their logo, like Bank of America. Oh, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, I almost I want I want to say I read about. Like like Twitter or one of those social networks trying to, but like the Unicode Foundation <laughs> or whoever is it the Unicode Foundation that controls emojis? Maybe I, think I thought so. it was Apple, <laughs> no. which is totally incorrect. No, 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 no the no, no, Unicode no, 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 no. Foundation. Yeah, let's look it up. I think it's the Unicode Foundation. This is a fun tangent. I'm I'm chill with this. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, we can probably Unicode. find a way to weave it together. Uh, man, if I could type Unicode. Foundation. My sister told me that there's going to be a garlic emoji coming soon, which I am very excited about as I eat a lot of it. Yeah, full emoji list from Unicode, Unicode.org. Emoji list V12.0. This is the yeah. 12th version of emojis? Yep. Wow. Yeah, and they have they show you what they look like on, on for each platform. Oh, okay. I use Emojipedia for that, actually. You can copy and paste it. It's kind of handy. Oh, um, Windows has a has an emoji finder built in. I like that most uh, emoji systems are tagged now, so you can actually search by name. Yeah. That's that's exactly the way yeah. it is on Windows. That's nice, but on your typing. phone, you can't do that. Depends on what keyboard you're using. Uh, I can't use it with mine anyway. Oh, and it's and gotten harder and harder to like know exactly where this is located. You know, if I'm looking for, you know, that uh, that bomb emoji, <laughs> like, you know, is that an object or is it a person? I don't know. <laughs> When I, if I just type bomb and space, like autocorrect gives me the emoji as an option. That's nice. You should install Swift key. It's a third party, third party keyboard for your phone. Anyway. Uh, Well, yeah. How does this tie into housing again? Uh, (laughs) Bank of America is not on your side. Yeah. Fun little tip. Um, Just if you bank with Bank of America or Wells Fargo or any conventional bank, they will try to get you for your mortgage. You should always look through a mortgage lender just to see what you can qualify for. Hmm. There are a lot more lending institutions than Wells Fargo or Bank of America or BECU. And since you're their customer, they really want to capture you. Um, But oftentimes they don't offer you the most competitive rate out there. Interesting. Um, So it's always good to look at a a breadth of options. And honestly, why wouldn't you? Like Bank of America is only going to show you what they can give you. You go to a lender, you'll see what everybody would give you. So... That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a good tip. Yeah, just beware. <laughs> so I wonder where in this conversation it falls to just move somewhere else where housing is more reasonable. Cheaper. Yeah, I guess cheaper. Well, 
uh, it's a it is one way to solve the problem, you know, and you get a fresh experience out of it too. Because I wonder, as remote work becomes more plausible for more people, if um, gentrification is that the word I'm looking for? Won't depends be, on the usage. Won't be as much of an issue. Oh yeah, like more wealth being congregated in one area. You think more people might spread out? Yeah, yeah. That that's actually Urban. I can see that. Urbanization. Urban sprawl is the word I was going to use, but I don't think that's what I wanted to use. <laughs> oh well, we'll never know now. I like urban